today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Legalism has this built-in propensity to bring people back into bondage under the law. And I'll take it a step further and suggest that legalism gets dangerously close to blasphemy such that it negates the finished work on the cross. Because here's what legalism says. It is finished, comma. Jesus' famous words on the cross were, It is finished. Your Lord took his last breath to save you. So Pastor J.D. pleads with you today to avoid legalism in your relationship with Jesus. There's nothing you owe him, nothing he wants from you, and nothing you can do to earn your own salvation. It is finished. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Titus, chapter 1, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. There's this need to discern, is this person genuinely asking a question for which they seek an answer, or are they actually wanting a fight? And it seems that there in Crete, Titus was dealing with a lot of people antagonists, if you will. And this actually ties into our second question in the first part of verse 10. And it's, am I rebellious? Not only were there many antagonists looking for arguments and not answers, so too were there many rebellious people as well. It's important to understand that To be rebellious is a demonstration of one's unwillingness to subordinate and submit to authority. And I'll tell you, I, over the years, in my experience on the mainland, I never use examples from here, obviously. It's been my experience both in the pastorate and not in the pastorate. When you have a church where people are not submitted to authority and there's a spirit of rebellion, that's not a church you want to be in. And it has to be addressed. And it has to be confronted. Because it's like a cancer, it can spread. And that's why it has to be dealt with. And that's the seriousness with which Paul is addressing the matter. Now again, I want to, by way of that preface, mention that it's so easy, right, to think about people that maybe you know that are rebellious people, antagonists, always looking for a fight. But it is so important to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts to see if there be any wicked way And then if the Lord finds something that has taken up residence in our Christian lives, He's very gentle about it. As only He can, let Him put His finger on it, and then let Him remove it. 
Because if you don't let him remove it, it will destroy you. It will destroy your life. It will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your relationships. I've seen churches destroyed in the wake of this. I've seen pastors destroyed in the wake of this. I've seen marriages destroyed in the wake of this. I've seen children who want nothing to do with God, the things of God, certainly the church of God, because of this. And if you really think about it, the world watches this and says of this, no thank you, no thank you. That's what the church is like. That's how Christians treat each other. Here's the third one. This is a biggie. (laughs) Second part of verse 10. Am I a talker? No, I'm not, but so-and-so is. Man, I see them come and I know I've got to go the other way or else I'm stuck for two hours. I'm not talking necessarily about that. Stay with me. Here, Paul describes them as, interesting, being full of meaningless talk, which to me has a twofold meaning, the first of which is to talk too much, and second is when they talk too much, they really aren't saying anything. You know what I mean? It's it's like they just talk, and talk, and talk, and talk, and then they just keep talking, and then they keep talking, and talking, and they're not really saying anything, and they're just talking, and kind of repeating themselves, and talking, kind of like I am right now. (laughs) These people were talkers, who basically had nothing to say nothing of any value. And it does seem as if that they did this because they just wanted to hear themselves talk. And not only that, but they are those who believe that what they have to say is more important than what you have to say. You know how when you're in a conversation with somebody like that, I know somebody just came to mind just when I said that. That's fine, whatever. And you're talking, and actually you're not talking because you can't get a word in edgewise, because they're doing all the talking. Talk, 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 talk. And you're trying to, you know, be polite, and you know, you're actually not even really listening, because you're not really saying anything. And so you try to insert the hmm, and oh, and oh, is that right, in the right spot? And then you mess up. And they catch you, and they say, wait, I asked you a question. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, what'd you say? (laughs) Actually, you didn't say anything. That's why I wasn't listening. And so then they let you talk. And as you're talking, you know what they're doing? They're thinking about what they're going to say next. They're not listening to what you have to say. What I'm trying to say is, at the core of this, is spiritual pride. 
fancying oneself as being more important than the other, thinking of oneself more highly than they ought. Question number four. Am I deceived? Third part of verse 10. I thought, in fact, I actually changed it. At first, the question was going to be, am I a deceiver? And here's why I changed it to, am I deceived? Because deceivers deceive because they're deceived. That's not a play on words. Let me try that again. Wasn't in my notes. That was my first mistake. If you are deceived, guess what? You will deceive. So if you're deceived, by default, you will be a deceiver. Why? Because you're deceived. Deceivers deceived. So the question is, and this is a good question, and we need to ask ourselves this question, am I deceived? Here, Paul adds deception to those who were full of meaningless talk. And he refers specifically to those of the circumcision group. You know who these were? These were the Judaizers that Paul was warning Titus about. Man, these guys were trouble with a capital T. They were deceivers. They themselves were deceived, and they were deceiving whole households and disrupting whole households. And that's our next question in the first part of verse 11. Am I disruptive? I find it interesting that Paul would mention these people disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. The truth of the matter is, there will always be those who fancy themselves as being knowledgeable, know-it-alls. Oh, you can't tell them anything. They'll tell you a thing or two, because they know it all. And what do we know to be true about those who know it all? Knowledge puffs up. And not only does knowledge puff up, it also disrupts. Question number six. Honest question. Am I dishonest? Second part of verse 11. Paul's mention of dishonest gain certainly applies to those who were in it for the money and financial gain. No shortage of those today, sadly. But I would argue that it can also apply to gaining followers. Again, hear me out and stay with me. What do I mean by that? Well, in Crete there were those who sought to draw disciples unto themselves. And 
as Paul refers to them in the book of Acts, these are wolves in sheep's clothing. I'd like to read Acts chapter 20, verses 25 through 31. I'd encourage you to join me there in your Bibles. This is perhaps amongst the most emotional and even powerful passages in Scripture concerning the intensity of the Apostle Paul. He's bidding farewell. He knows this will be the last time he sees them there. And these are his parting words, and they're sobering. Listen to what he says, verse 25. He says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. And here's why, verse 27, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God, the whole Word of God. And then here's the warning, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which He bought with His own blood. I know that after I leave, verse 29, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And then he says this, verse 30, and this makes the what little hair I have left on the back of my neck stick up. He says, even from your own number within your church, from within, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Oh, I'm so glad that God inspired Luke to write these words of Paul, especially in verse 31. It just gives us a snapshot into the heart of the Apostle Paul. Did you just hear what he just said? For three years, every day, every night, all day, all night, he would warn them and weeping that after he left there would be these wolves that would come in from among them, and they would not spare the flock. And the way you can discern and determine and spot a wolf is that they will draw disciples to themselves. Here's what that looks like, sounds like, and I'll even say smells like. <laughs> you know it doesn't smell right when somebody comes up to you after the teaching, after the service. Says, hey! Right, right away, right there. 
be on guard. And they're really smooth, and they come off so spiritual, emphasis added. And they'll say something to the effect of, wow, that was really a good teaching. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you very much. (laughs) No, not that. But here it comes. Do you really want to go deep into the Word? What do you mean? Oh, we have this uh, Bible study. It's only for those who really want to go deep in the Word. That's a wolf. That's a wolf. Drawing disciples unto themselves to gain followers after themselves. It's dishonest. It's despicable. Disgraceful. And, (laughs) verses 12 and 13, this one's interesting, has to deal with our reputation. I think again of the Proverbs that says that it is better to have a good name and a good reputation than it is to have a lot of wealth. So here's the question. Am I disreputable? So here Paul is referring to a saying in that day. Some commentators actually uh, mention the name of this guy that was known for this saying concerning the reputation that Cretans had for being liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. I mean, they even had a saying because they had such a bad reputation, they would say of people, you're such a Cretan. That was not a compliment. Because to call somebody a Cretan was to say of them that they were liars, they were gluttons, they were savage, they were brutal, and they were lazy. How about that, you Cretan? Wow, (laughs) that's pretty bad. I want you to know something though. Notice that Paul doesn't tell Titus to have nothing to do with them. He he doesn't say of them that they're to be treated as were the rebellious antagonists that were causing all the fights and problems. They were to be confronted. But here, Paul tells Titus, instead of having nothing to do with them, that he's to rebuke them sharply, not for the sake of rebuking them, with the purpose of them coming to a sound doctrine in the faith. That's the purpose of it. You need to sharply rebuke them, but with this in mind, that they will be sound in the faith. I'm reminded of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. It's convicting and it needs to be. But this was a carnal church, a worldly church. And it sounds from what Paul writes in his first epistle that 
they thought of themselves that they were all that, as we would say. And Paul has to rebuke them sharply, as he tells Titus to do with the elders he appoints in the church there. And here's what he says to them, remember, you were one of them, as were some of you. And you know what the context of that is? He's talking about people there in Corinth that were homosexuals, that were living lives of debauchery and hedonism. You see, you were like that before you came to Christ, as were some of you. And it was when somebody cared enough and loved you enough to rebuke you sharply that you came to the truth and you came to Christ. That's what you need to do with them. We don't like that, do we? You know why? Because we want people to like us. And if we sharply rebuke them, they'll unfriend us, unfollow us, and block us. Right? I want to spend a little bit of time on the eighth question in verse 14. And it's the question of, am I legalistic? <laughs> Again, this is a biggie. I don't know if it's possible to overstate how dangerous legalism is. And the reason I say it like that is because legalism has this built-in propensity to bring people back into bondage under the law. And I'll take it a step further and suggest that legalism gets dangerously close to blasphemy such that it negates the finished work on the cross. Because here's what legalism says. It is finished, comma. It is finished if. It is finished but. It is finished when. See, now you're adding a legalistic requirement under the law. It's not finished then. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. It is at best a slap in the face of the Savior Himself. May it never be. Legalism is a killer, literally. The law kills, but the Spirit gives life. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Titus may seem small and insignificant, but that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's all about the truth, and that can both change and inspire. And who doesn't need to be inspired in their walk with Jesus every now and then? As you read through the book of Titus, be encouraged to evaluate your life and the things you let into your heart. Be still before the Lord and ask Him to draw nearer to you. Ask Him to teach you His truth and let that overflow into your everyday life, just as Paul did. If you haven't yet found a home church, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. You were never meant to do life alone. 
If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to visit us. You can join us for a time of worship at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays at 8.30 or 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. for Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings, as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there, a great way to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. That's all available at our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in to spend this time with us. Join Pastor J.D. next time to learn more from the book of Titus, right here on In Spirit and Truth.